guys, how's it going? Uh, it's been a while since I uploaded anything since I connected with the channel and the podcast. So um, I wanted to go and try a different format today. This is going to be just a, a really kind of a brief, maybe 10 minute um, upload. And I just wanted to talk about some of the work I've been doing um, here at, at my grad school and uh, some of the research I've actually been focusing on. Uh, of course, I won't get into the technical details of the work. Um, maybe I'll make an upload on that later, uh, showing just some of the the actual formal logic and stuff I've used for it. Um, I think that might be kind of interesting. But for this video, I just wanted to outline uh, one of the arguments that I've been writing about. I'm actually writing a book um, in preparation for my thesis and so forth. And this is one of the key pillars to it. Um, and so I just figured I'd get some critique on it and, and see what you guys think. I, I find it to be a pretty strong argument. So, but as we all know, it's easy to get into your own head and, and fail to recognize weaknesses, or it's hard sometimes to recognize specific strengths. So, um, for this week, uh, this video, I do want to apologize. It's been so long, uh, but I wanted to just go ahead and upload something kind of quick and, and get your feedback. So without further ado, this is the modal cosmological argument. A uh, little background of the argument before I actually outline it. Uh, obviously, the cosmological argument, as most of us would know it, is the Kalam cosmological argument, which is uh, made famous by Dr. William Lane Craig. Um, this kind of takes, obviously, some some influence from that, but also from Alvin Plantinga's work on the ontological argument, where he had the brilliant idea to apply modal logic and, for, and, and modal... Uh, the modal structure of logic to to the ontological argument in order to make it a more rigorous uh, proof for the existence of God. So that kind of inspired me to take modal logic and apply it to the basic premise of the Kalam cosmological argument. And it doesn't sound very much like that's the case now that the argument's kind of outlined. Um, and I will give you a heads up, it's a fairly lengthy argument. I have reduced it down to a, uh, about about four premises and a uh, three premises and a collusion, so four points. Um, but for this, I wanted to outline it in its most most articulate form. Um, that way I can get the best critique um, possible. So it doesn't really directly drive from those other two arguments, but it does take inspiration from those. So the modal cosmological argument pretty much goes as follows. One, necessarily any possible world would, if actualized, have an explanation of its actualization. Two, the actual world is by necessity an actualized possible world, and so necessarily has an explanation of its actualization. Three, the only possible explanation for the actualization of any possible world would be necessarily non-temporal spatial, non-contingent, maximally powerful, and causally potent. Thus, four, the actual world necessarily has a necessarily non-temporal spatial, non-contingent, maximally powerful, and causally potent explanation of its actualization. 5. The only possible explanation which fits such criterion is God. 6. Therefore, necessarily God is this explanation and is that which actualized the possible into the actual. So, like I said, I'm not going to get into the rigorous defenses and things of, of the argument in this. I just wanted to outline it and, and get some feedback. But I will give a brief uh, blurb of a defense, if you will. Um, and I just think that's necessary to kind of really just expound upon the ideas that are there in that argument and kind of go through the premises in a logical format and kind of just show the thought process behind the argument. So it really starts with 
the fact that first things are either possible or impossible that seems really that not controversial at all things are either possible or they're not so moving from that if the actual world were not in precedent to its actualization at the very least merely possible then it could never proceed to be actual because that would mean it's impossible and what is impossible can never be what is actual so the actual world is logically merely possible and antecedents to its having been actualized possible worlds must have an explanation if they are actualized because they were first merely possible and so if actualized would be contingent since at one time they were not actual but merely possible contingent things by their very nature must have a cause which affects their being because if this were not so they would be things which never could have not existed and so would never have been in a state of mere possibility thus if the actual world was once merely possible then it is contingent and if contingent requires an explanation of its being affected into being or of its actualization now one would say okay well what about multiverse theory well multiverse theory fails due to the problem of probability and infinity again William Lane Craig does a lot of work on this but I'll kind of briefly touch on my own understanding um, as it relates to this specific argument now I understand the arguments he lays out and uh, some of the other issues with the multiverse theory this is going to touch on uh, probability aspect because that seems most pertinent to the multiple cosmological argument so as I said multiverse theory does fail on the problem of probability or to the pro due to the problem of probability and infinity uh, namely this world must unequivocally be guaranteed to result on the theory by means of unguided probability since this world is actual and does exist it isn't enough to merely have the potential of the actual world existing but rather because the actual world is actual because we're here to even ask these questions it must be ensured that the actual world obtains resultant from that process but this would require an infinity of other universes since one could never reach a guarantee that at some number say 5,098,045 universes the actual world would result yet an actual infinity of anything cannot exist since the infinite boundary could never be met or obtained and therefore the theory fails the remaining option would be that of agent causation but even with this you know there's a few things that have to come with that the agent must be immaterial must be non-temporal spatial must be maximally powerful must be causally potent and must obviously not be contingent so just to outline those briefly if the agent were not immaterial it could not affect material into being since the agent would itself be constituted of the very material which it should be the progenerator of since we're talking about the origin of everything similarly the agent could not be temporal spatial because if it were temporal spatial then it could not generate time and space since these would be requisite in its existing to affect the generation of time and space again the agent could not be less than maximally powerful because the agent must have the strength to serve as a progenerate cause of the actual world generating time space all of material and all else which constitutes the actual world and all this from what is first merely possible the agent must be causally potent and so cannot be simply abstract but is rather concrete in order to have efficacy in serving as a causal explicator for the effect of the actual world being actualized from what is first merely possible so finally this agent must not itself be contingent because if it were contingent then it would be part of the actual world and so obviously couldn't create itself because it would have to be itself to create itself it's a paradox 
So, all of that to say, that is the very definition of God. And so, God is the very definition of the cause of the actual world. Is the answer to the age-old question why anything at all exists rather than nothing? And is that which actualized the possible into the actual? Of course, you could deduce from that some other thing, call it whatever you want. You could call it the flying man in the sky. I find that a little bit offensive. And I, I find it just kind of stupid anyways. Because a man is a contingent, material, spatial, not maximally powerful person, you know, entity. So obviously couldn't fit this. But if you want to call it that, call it that. Whatever you want to call it, it's still going to be exactly what the monotheist, specifically the Christian, means when they dub something God. Right? When we refer to God, this is the exact definition, broadly speaking, at least part of the definition of what we mean by God. So, you know, you sometimes hear people say the flying spaghetti monster. Well, if you want to call it the flying spaghetti monster, that's fine. If that helps you. But, you know, I would point out that the flying spaghetti monster is a contingent material, not maximally powerful entity, which presumably could not serve as the progenerate cause of all of those things since itself is constituted of, since it itself is constituted of those those properties and those things so that's obviously impossible therefore couldn't actually be the quote-unquote flying spaghetti monster but if that's what you want to call it that's fine whatever what it means to say is that god by what the monotheistic religion specifically christianity means is the definition of what actualized the possible into the actual so just let me know what you guys think in the comments below uh, definitely looking for some feedback on it this is an original argument Please don't take it and run away with it and fail to give uh, credit where credit is due. If you find it to be strong, use it. I have no problem with that. Just make sure you give credit um, you know, back to, back to me as the source. That way I can still use it in my work. Um, since a lot of my research and a lot of the book I'm writing revolves around this as an original thesis. So um, please don't steal it. But I do want some critique. I do want some feedback. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Thanks for listening. Definitely subscribe if you like our content. And if this was too short for you, you can check out episodes one and two of the podcast on Observable. Also, you can find them on YouTube. Um, those are much longer. Um, and they're, they're a little different. The first episode deals with uh, an article by Lawrence Krauss on the inexplicable uh, inexplicability of the universe. So kind of the same subject. And then episode two is going to focus on Thomas Aquinas's five proofs for God. Again, kind of similar subject matter. So if you like this, check those out. Definitely give me a subscribe. I'm going to try to at least upload something of this length regularly, probably every couple days, maybe once a week. So uh, thanks for listening. Y'all have a great day.